If you turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1 in our introduction today, really to all three of John's letters, and as you look at these little tiny books, probably in most of your Bibles, uh, they take up maybe five or six pages. Um, there's 1 John, uh, and there's 2 John, and there's 3 John, but these are general epistles that this beautiful senior saint writes to the church. And in verse 1, he gives us some clues. And let's just look at that one verse today. And it says, that which was from the beginning. That which is from the beginning. As we studied John's gospel, remember how that began? In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God and the word was God. Amen? How about the book of Genesis? In the beginning, God. Do you get the message? That there's a God in heaven who existed before there was an earth. Before there was a universe. Before all things that were created according to the book of Colossians that he created for himself and by him and through him were all things created. Before there was time, before there was space, before there was matter, the three parts of our universe, before there was anything, Jesus was. He was in the beginning. And so when we think about who we worship, we worship the uncaused cause of everything else. We worship the one who knows everything. We worship the one who has all the answers. We worship the one who created you and created me, created us, created this earth. And so when we worship the Lord, we're worshiping the one who can fulfill the expectations that we have for life. If you worship this earth, this earth can do nothing for you. It has no capacity to create. It has no capacity to change. People have no capacity to create. People have no capacity to change. Rules in government, no capacity to create and really no capacity to change. They can maneuver and shift. But is the creator God who was there in the beginning? And so John reminds us of this in verse one, that which was from the beginning, of course, that we're going to find out who that is in a few verses. And we get a little insight now, which we have heard. Remember, this is John. This is the apostle that laid his head on the chest of Jesus. This is John who stood at the cross when Jesus took his last breath. This is John who met with Jesus after Jesus was resurrected. This is John who was there on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee and and witnessed the ascension of the Lord. This is that guy. This is that man. This is not some distant believer. This is perhaps the closest of all the apostles to Jesus himself. It is that man that writes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit these words. 
which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon. And there's a difference between seeing and looking. Seeing, when when you're driving down the freeway, you just see stuff, amen? But he goes on to say, we've looked upon, that means to inspect. In other words, to take time to truly examine. John got to truly examine the truth of who Jesus was and is. Got to ask him questions. Got to look right in his eyes while he was speaking. Heard the last words from the cross. Got to inspect Jesus at every level. That's the one who writes this letter. And furthermore, so close as to handle Jesus with his hands. In other words, up close and personal, first-hand information born out of a relationship with Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior, the great I Am. John was not told what Jesus was like. John walked with Jesus and saw it with his own eyes, heard it with his own ears, got to inspect everything that was said with his own mind got to walk with Jesus got to talk with Jesus got to put his head on Jesus's chest he knew Jesus that's who writes to us and he writes in a way that plays into our day and time and notice what he says concerning the word of life. Anybody in here yearn for a better life? I think for honest, we all do. If you're not, then you're completely content with 100% of everything in your life. That yearning is a God-designed yearning for something better. And so the Apostle John says, We saw him, we heard him, we talked to him, we walked with him concerning the words of life. The one who can speak into your life about your expectations. You see, as human beings, we have expectations of life, amen? Most of us wake up in the morning and there's some expectation to go to work and earn a living and bring home a paycheck and pay some bills and put some food on the table and raise our children. We have basic expectations. But beyond that, we have greater expectation. Maybe there's some things in your life where your expectations have not actually been met. Can I tell you who can meet those expectations and exceed those expectations? It's the word of life, Jesus. You see, this book presents Jesus in a light that we can lean on him for everything. What are you hoping for in life? What are you waiting for? You know, as you think about children, children live in expectation, don't they? For those of you that are parents and you know some of these things to be true, The moment you tell your children you're going to Disneyland, what happens for the next week? 
Can we go to, are we leaving yet? You're going on on vacation. What happens? Are we there yet? Those are childlike expectations of that which is anticipated. Amen? As adults, have you ever noticed how we kind of sometimes lose our expectation in life? It's just like, uh. But children live their lives with expectancy. And we as adults are supposed to live our life with heavenly expectancy. There are greater things ahead for each one of us in this room. We have a heavenly home that's being prepared right now. And we're to live our life with that heavenly expectation. That's kind of a childlike view, but we're supposed to have that view. Can I tell you I don't know everything? I don't know everything. But I know the one who does. And I live with expectancy that the Lord can answer my questions. That the Lord has the answers that I'm seeking. This world does not have the answers I'm seeking. Doesn't mean that everything in the world is inherently bad or wrong. It simply means that when I live with heavenly, childlike expectation that God alone is the one that can fill that longing of my soul, I live differently. I start to have that eternal perspective every moment of every day. I don't know how many of you have noticed this, but your parents become more and more brilliant the older you get. And this is especially true when you start paying your own bills. Amen? I have no idea how they did it all those years, but all I know is when I write this check, it puts me in a different place. Amen? Now imagine that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has every bit of information and understanding that you will ever need and we kind of go about life like we already know it all. You ever remember having those thoughts about your parents that, you know, someday when they get like you, they'll actually become smart (laughs) when you were 12? And we do that, right? And we stop having expectation that they can actually teach us anything or that we could grow past where we are. For you today, for me today, for us today, the church today, we have a long ways to go in becoming totally like Jesus. Amen? We need to live in that expectation. And to that end, we've got to turn on the light in our lives. I need to switch on Jesus. My problem is I don't always turn on Jesus. I I don't seek the benefit of the light in my life. And we could spend all day going through all types of analogous things. But when you really think about what light does in your life, it certainly provides illumination. Amen? Can I tell you, without light, you actually can't see at all. Did you know that? If there is no light, you are in total darkness. It is the absence of light that is total blindness. The rods, the cones, the optic nerves that make up your nervous system, the optic portion of it, have to have light in order to be able to see. And if there is no light, you don't see. 
Our problem is in our lives, we actually intentionally turn off the light in certain areas. We have little closets where we not only shut the door, but we stuff towels underneath the door so that no light can get in because we love darkness. Those are areas of sin. But when you flick the light on, guess what happens? You can now see what's actually in that closet. An example of that happens in a very strange way. Every time we go into the bathroom in the morning, or any of you like me, I don't actually like turning on the light. It's frightening. It's like, oh, that's awful. I look better with the lights off. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't fix this. And you go in there and you turn on the light and every age spot and wrinkle, it's like, man, I didn't know that's where all of my melatonin went. And you look at yourself and for us guys, we go in there, we spend like four minutes and we say, nothing can help and we walk out. You ladies go in, much like the Lord working in our life, and you turn on the light and you pull out one of those magnifying makeup mirrors. And it shines very brightly on parts of your face. And you actually do something about it, and somehow you come out looking 20 years younger. Because you allowed the light to affect your decision-making process, and you did something about it. Amen? Us guys go, hopeless. In much the same way, we have to do the same thing with the Lord in our lives. We have to turn on the light, and when he shines on a part of our existence, we have to allow him to do the work to make us beautiful. Amen? The old saying goes, if the barn needs paint, and paint it. But it's true, isn't it? Because light warns you and light warms you. It causes you to be, you know, that radiation or irradiation that comes upon you. When you sit out, why do you like to sit outside in the sun? Because you feel better. Warms up your body. You get some vitamin D going. All of a sudden you're like, yeah, I feel awesome. But how many Christians never turn the light on in their spiritual lives? They wander around, they wonder why they're cold. They wonder why nothing happens in their life. They wonder why there's no fruit. Because they haven't allowed the light to warn and guide and illuminate, regulate the things in your life, stimulate you to do the right thing, and decorate you if necessary. Amen? You you see, that's what John's going to share with us. This is the benefit. We have to say, Lord, I'm going to open every closet. You're welcome to get in there and take care of issues. Walking in the light. Not being okay with the darkness. Turn it on is what he's saying. You'll you'll see what needs to be done. There's a reason when they work on freeways at night, they bring out those big light towers, amen? Amen. You imagine trying to do that work with no light? Somebody's going to get run over. Illumination allows us to see what needs to be done, how far we have to go.
Some of us got a ways to go. Others are a little closer. Some of us just started the journey. It's okay. Wherever you are, God knows that. Don't be discouraged. Just turn on the light in your life. That's the beautiful picture here in 1 John. And as he writes this, I want to remind you who John is. He is now between 85 and 90 years old. He's between 85 and 90 years old, we believe. He is a senior saint. He's been in ministry for between 43, roughly, and 50 years. You think he's seen a few things? You think he's watched church done the right way and watched church done the wrong way? You think he's talked to a bunch of believers? You think he knows what he's talking about? He is the definition of a senior saint. He's not yet been banished to the Isle of Patmos where he'll receive the book of Revelation from the Lord directly, but he knows what he's talking about. He walked the road with Jesus. He he bought the t-shirt and the hat, the pen and the mug. (laughs) He's got all of it. He's He's got the whole supply right there on his rock in the cave. It's like, I remember when. And by the Spirit, he writes to us. And he's saying, look, there's some things you all need to know. And to do that, we're going to see him speak in this incredible language that is is so loving and kind. Because he's like a spiritual grandpa. He's like little kids, dear children. And he's going to write about the love of God. He said, look, I'm writing to you, and we'll see this in chapter 5. I write this to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You see, our problem is when we lose our assurance of our faith, it's because we choose to walk in darkness. And every time you take a step into that darkness, you're not sure who you are in Christ. So he says, I want you to be certain of your salvation. I want you to know that you're a believer. I want you to experience the fullness of what God has for you. And so please don't walk in darkness because it will be used by the enemy to condemn you. The Lord, conversely, will take that failure and he'll use it to convict you, but you still got to listen and you still have to go turn on the light switch. Amen? Amen. So it's okay, Lord, I'm going to check it out. I'm messing up here. That's John. It's what he does for us. That's why he uses so many contrasts in these little books. Because there's a difference between light and dark, amen? You've heard, I don't care which cavern you go to, they all do the same thing at some point in time during the tour. They turn off the lights, amen? You talk about a contrast between light and darkness. It's like, I can see, I can't see at all. There's no light. John uses a contrast between good and evil. Between God and Satan himself. Between truth and error. Between life and death. Even between love and hate. You know why he does that? Because when you contrast two things... It becomes very easy to choose which one's better. 
not hard at all. Ooh, I'll take that one, please. And he says to us, then turn on the light in your life if you want that. If you don't, keep going the way you're going. Because ultimately, you and I, we have to deal with the darkness in our own lives. You see, because we do yearn, we do have expectation, we want direction, but we don't go to Jesus for it. And so we kind of wander. We go into the shadows. We go to places we shouldn't go. All of you have probably had the experience of getting up in the night, something stirs you, and you find the corner of the bed between your toes. Why is that? Not because you intentionally decided you wanted to rack yourself with pain, but you couldn't see where you were going. There was a little bit of light. Had you turned on the light, you would have missed that part. God doesn't want you to stub your toes. God doesn't want you to go through unnecessary pain, but you've got to get up and turn on the light. If you want direction that will get you where you need to go, this is what you must do. Also, if you want to know what's real, you need to turn on the light. I've had opportunity to to travel around and experience an awful lot of things. I never knew that people's cats can actually sound like mountain lions. Like, I had no idea. I've heard a real mountain lion. I go, that's a mountain lion. We've got some lady in our cul-de-sac, and she's got a cat. It's like 700 pounds, I think. And it's like, and you're like, you hear that at night, and it's like, where is that? It's a mountain lion. And you, then a car comes by, and it's sitting there looking at you, like, just messing with you. If you want to see what's real, the light is what helps you do that. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just bigger, you know. We call ours little Gur, and there's big Gur, and big Gur has this voice that's like some, from some other planet. If you stumble and fall, it's usually because you can't see where you're going, right? Turn on the light. You see it? You get it? So John is going to give us understanding that Jesus is the source of that light, and all you've got to do is ask him to turn on the light in your life. All you've got to do is read the word and do what it says. And the light goes on in your life and in my life. You see, part of our problem is no human being can do that for you. Now, they might be able to help you follow Jesus, but mostly the world is going to help you follow the world. You will get worldly solutions from the world. Don't be surprised by that. You see, very often in our lives, when we really look at it, we, we kind of almost have a fairy tale mentality about it. A lot of people in our day and time are looking for the Hollywood life instead of the holy life. Amen? They don't want to follow Jesus, they want to follow Jay Z. Instead of JC, it's Jay Z, and it's not the same. No insult intended, but I'm telling you, they're not the same guy. 
You're going to be led astray unless you're following Jesus. You need to follow him. If you want that direction. Can I just tell you, and I, I got to say this. This is not, this is not about being liberal or conservative. This is not about being Democrat or Republican. This is not about you getting your news from NPR or Fox. This is about you following Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus will sort all the rest of that stuff out. He'll turn the light on go, no, that's not true. Well, that's not what a believer should say or do. So no matter where you are and all that other stuff, the Lord can sort it out by turning the light on it. That's what brings us together, by the way. The unity of the Spirit produces a bond of peace. That's how that works. So the light will go on, the light will shine, and the light will unify, the the light will solidify, the light will bring us together. Darkness separates us. The devil loves to separate people because he knows that we are better and more powerful together, unified in the light, and so he works to separate us so that we cannot work together to the end of the king. We got to see that. Otherwise we play right into the enemy's hands. I've had so many conversations with people. It's just like, you know, I, I, honestly, I, I have talked to people on every type of political spectrum you can imagine. And eventually they get to the place, well, Jesus is with us. Or Jesus is with us. And I'm purposely not saying either, either side. Jesus is Jesus. Amen? He doesn't have a side. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And we're all supposed to be in him. And if we do that, we walk in the light as he is in the light. If we don't, then we set up our own little dark spots. Our own places where the light's not on. And we get in trouble. There's the reality of it. Sometimes we kind of act like we're still children. Oh, those words in a land far, far away used to mean something to you. They used to be exciting. But now you've probably figured out that your life is more like Dunkirk than it is Disneyland. Amen? It's more, it's more a battlefield than a playground. Amen? You see, a lot of Christians expect the wrong thing out of life. And so they think that they're going to get Disneyland every day. They think that every morning when they wake up, the devil's going to be on vacation. Then they find out he just put his guys on overtime. And they're after you. They're going, well, what happened? Reality. The reality is Satan loves darkness. Satan loves for the light to be off in your life. She would say, hey, why don't you come over here? You're the one that's responsible for turning the light on. You'll say, I'm not going there. I'm going to turn the light on and go, ooh, that's bad. 
You ever notice how in your own life, when you turn on the light, you see things that you didn't see when the light was off? What happens when you know you're going to have friends over? You turn on every light in the house, don't you? Go over there, ooh, that looks bad. I had no idea the dogs had that much hair. You know what I'm saying? It's right there in the corner. It was there the whole time. You didn't see it because the light was off. And God's saying, turn the light on. Walk in reality. The truth is, for millennia, mankind has been seeking to have the light on while actually walking in darkness because they looked for truth in things like wealth and power, positions, they, they looked for it in relationship. They looked for it in all the wrong places. They were looking for God's love, but what they really set about doing was finding the world's ways. The only way you can differentiate between those things is turn the light on. Go, okay, Lord, show me what this really is. The truth is, those things of this world can never fulfill your expectation. You always fall short. Every time you buy a new car, what happens? You buy a new car, you drive it off the lot, you just lost a pretty substantial amount of money, you pull into the church parking lot, and somebody dents your brand new metal god. <laughs> and you get all twisted up in your head. It's like, I can't believe that they would do that. They know how important this was to me. Well, that's because you're looking for fulfillment out of something that can't fulfill. Cars won't do it. Homes won't do it. Relationships on this earth can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. Amen? And that's not against buying new cars. That's just simply saying sometimes we look for fulfillment in the wrong place. We turn the light on. We say, you know what, Lord? I'd rather have contentment. I'd rather keep the door in your house. Let me be a servant of the Most High God. Let me be like you, Jesus. You see, and the truth is that wanting something and finding it are often not the same. Amen? I don't know if any of you are weird like this, but I'm that guy that when you drive north heading towards Bishop, you're going to the Sierras. I look at all those mines out in the desert and I go, I got to go in that. And here's my conviction, firm conviction. Somebody missed a 10 pound gold nugget in one of those holes. (laughs) And so my whole thought process, they may have missed it, Lord. But you know what? There's a reason they stopped digging in that spot. Because there was never any gold in the first place. That's why they call them prospects. That's why they're called prospectors. Because prospectively, there might be something there. But in the digging of the hole, you find out that there's nothing. Can I tell you a lot of Christians prospect in the world? They dig holes in the world looking for gold nuggets. They never find them. And they exit this planet very unfulfilled. 
That's where the light comes in. It's like, Lord, show me where to dig. Show me where to set up my home. Show me what to be and how to be that. Because I know the things of this life, they're passing away. But he who abides and does the will of the Lord, that's where you find fulfillment. That's where the nuggets are. That's where the gold is. Because the truth of the matter is, the Lord actually owns everything on this earth anyway. So it already belongs to your heavenly father. You're going to receive an inheritance from him. So you're looking for something you already have. Amen? A lot of Christians waste an awful lot of time looking for something that can't fulfill when in fact you already own everything. That's where we turn on the light. That's where that Jesus reality steps in. John had discovered that satisfaction. And John was going to walk in that satisfaction. He was going to present that perfect reality to us. John's going to actually lose his life eventually. He's going to die an old man in a cave on an island in the Aegean Sea. But before he does that, he's going to finish these letters and write to us about the love of God. About the power of God about the blessing of walking in the spirit. And so he's really kind of countering that thing within us that that causes us to search after the wrong things. You see, our expectations should be for the very best. That's what God has in mind for every believer. But we have to leave what that best is to him. His will. His way. His works. His word. And as John opens up this letter, as we'll see as we begin our journey really next week, he first says, this word of life has come. Offering you direction, me direction. And through our relationship with God the Son, God who created us in the beginning, God who stepped into time, Have you ever thought about the eternal stepping into time? That's what Jesus did. What he created, he stepped into. He said, I love them so much, I'm going to go where they are. And I'm going to let them talk to me. And I'm going to let them touch me. Because I want them to know how much I love them. The truth of Jesus is humanity is absolutely essential and vital to your walk with him. He knows you. He loves you. And he has the very best plans for you. The question is, will you let the light of the life shine in your life? Will you say yes, Lord? If you do, amazing things happen. God has plans you don't even understand or know yet. And they're good. If you'll turn on the light, he'll show you those plans. Amen? Would you stand and we'll pray together. And I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe someone today came in and They haven't taken that first step of being a disciple, inviting Christ into your life. 
We have a whole team in our prayer room, just some awesome brothers and sisters that want to share just the simple gospel with you and lead you in a simple prayer of salvation, just inviting Jesus into your life. If that's you today, when we finish worship at the end, just simply go over to the prayer room and say, I want to know Jesus. I want to turn the light on for the first time in my life. Do that today. Don't walk in darkness any longer. Don't let the enemy get to you that way. Father, we thank you. Thank you for sending the light of the world, your son, Jesus. That not only could we be saved through him, but we could walk in the light as he is in the light. And so, Lord, we ask that for each of us today, you'd flip on a million candle power high beam. Lord, would we be able to see all the things we need to see and know what we need to know? Or would you help us to miss the plans of the enemy and find all of your perfect plans for us? We thank you for loving us. We thank you for forgiving us of our sin. We thank you that you care to have a relationship with us. Lord, you didn't come to bring religion, but relationship that we could know you. And so, Lord, we want to know you. Help us to turn on the light in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.